Hello and welcome to Talking Baseball. It is the last Friday recap episode of the first half of the season, so let's have some fun and talk baseball. Hello and welcome to Talking Baseball, brought to you by DraftKings. My name is Jimmy. We got Trevor coming to you from California, Jake coming to you from Buffalo, and producer BBD sitting on his throne. Uh, it was his birthday yesterday, so anyone that wishes him a happy birthday today that did not wish him happy birthday yesterday, it's actually negative points. You're better just keeping your mouth shut, and he may think that you wished him happy birthday yesterday correctly. Don't announce yourself as a failure. Jake, how are you doing? James, Trevor, Bug Buggy, David Mendelson, Davis Wimbledon, some are calling him, and everybody in the chat, I see you. Happy 4th of July last weekend. Um, baseball so hot in the streets, took over the interstate last night. Love that. I'm in Buffalo. I'm the king. Uh, Buffalo named me king upon entry. Uh, the first place I saw, a restaurant named Jake's. Um, hotel, do they have me on the top floor, Trev? You know they do. It looks like I'm staying at Vladito's apartment. I wish I could show you guys the view. Um, and it actually kind of looks like my normal office backdrop because it's just the gray walls behind me. Um, but I'll try to do it at the end. There's a lot of cords and wires and stuff, and I'm horrified. But uh yeah, I'm loving I'm loving Buffalo. Someone did say Jake's Jays. I don't want to start that, but oh my god. Take it. I need him out of the out of the race for the wild card. Jake, uh how many floors? Crucial question. Uh, 10 or 12, I don't know. Not a numbers guy. Okay. But you're on the top floor. I think so. Well, okay, a lot of doubt what coming out. What is going on right now? Trav, how are you? I'm new to being the king. <laughs> James, Jacob, big, big dong, happy birthday, belated. I wished you a happy birthday yesterday. Okay. So I'm doing great. Um couple couple notes. We are starting to do our neighborhood barbecues every Thursday. So I uh, went to that last night and I was wearing my my John Boy Media hat. And I walk up, say hi to one of my neighbors, and this kid is looking at me. He goes, oh, my God. I love your podcast. I love your show. You know, just came up, and he's a Talking Baseball fan. So it was really cool to get that, like, little little juice right there as soon as I walked up. And because I had that juice, it turned into a magical night because guess what happened? A thousand more people came up. My good friend Matthew Stafford and I took our relationship to the next level. Wow. We exchanged phone numbers yesterday. Holy Whoa. smokes. How'd it yeah. go down? How'd it go down, Trev? He's like, I don't think I have your number. What's your number? Wow. Sparks were flying. Wow. Like, then how did it dubs really go behind down? us? And it was, that you was that, it. it was you that said that to him, though? Yeah. No, no man. Okay. I wouldn't be lying. I don't lie to you guys. So that there's that. It was a magical night for me. Beautiful summer night where we got a little bit of uh, a little bit of fluff for our show, and then Stafford comes up and asks for my number. It was like, couldn't ask for a better night. I'm flying high right now. Wow, that is great. I didn't give my number out to anyone. 
No one. Yesterday. Nobody? I have. I've had the same number since 2003. You should change that. We'll see. Uh, we're we're going to have a big, you know, big Monday episode. We're all going to be together in Denver for All-Star Weekend. Excited for that. I, there's a chance at this wedding, I might have a Matthew Stafford for Monday's episode. So that's a little teaser. Who is it? Kane? It's a famous hockey player that you just said their last name. Okay. <laughs> oh. Shit, maybe they're going to go up to him? We, I, I guess he's like friends of the family and stuff. I, I, Jess's mom like took a very close picture of his face last night, so I'm interested to see what I'm walking into. Okay. That wouldn't yeah. maybe one up, Trev. Maybe not. Uh, well, the whole company, Sans Jake, is flying to Denver on the same flight. And I think I've talked to some other people in the area, and they're flying on, on that plane as well. So maybe everyone in uh, the company that's flying together will uh, meet someone famous ourselves, and we'll get their number. We'll just trounce you guys. I'll give you guys my number when we get to Denver. Then you can all feel special. I have it. I already have it. It's true. I already have it. Uh, the people that think me and Trev truly hate each other, I love them because they know. <laughs> well, you guys don't have each other's number, and it's uh, really annoying for BBD and I to have two separate chats. Yeah. Hey, Jake, it's this time. Trev, it's this time. Try to merge it one Keep time. BBD active. Try, he's, he's, he's our messenger pigeon. I need back and forth in my life Try to merge the group chats once And it's just Trev and Jake sending oh. middle finger selfies to each other Why'd the chat go green? And then, huh. they, then they deleted numbers <laughs> <laughs> Alright, this episode is brought to you by our most recent patrons Austin Gilmore, Alex M, Spencer Workman Sam Hogan, Corey Evie Matthew Winston Cozine Cozine? Brennan Hansen Floss, Brennan Floss, Mr. Floss, wake up and floss. If he had a morning show, Jason Michael Foot, J.M. Foot, Tracy Rondinelli, Michael Hartung, <laughs> Harding Hartung, Kevin Hill, Robert Hotz, Mario, Mario, Liam O'Sullivan, and Kara Batko. So thank you very much to our new patrons. Appreciate you guys very much. Day in, day out. Love you. Uh, a lot of perks for our patrons. If you go to patreon.com slash Media, you can find out about them. Who has the NL today? Trevor Bat Bluth. lead off, baby. Wow. Are you ready to bring us the news and tell us what happened? Believe it. It's oh. me. All right. Here we go. This is what happened in the National League this week. We are starting off in Pittsburgh, where the Braves came into town, and they lost two out of three to the Pirates. Pirates win two games. First game, 11-1. to one. Second game, 2-1 to one before the Braves put the smack down and won 14-3. Obviously, both teams had a great offensive day. Uh, pitching staff struggled, except for the Pirates starters, who pitched to a 2.3 ERA. Their bullpen, not so hot. John Nagowski had seven hits in his first three games with the Pirates after coming over from the Cardinals. Ben Gamble with two homers. Key Brian Hayes had six hits with four extra brace hits, and Frazier had six hits. On the Braves' side, Acuna had five hits with a home run. 
Brian Reynolds with the walk-off walk in game two. There was no one on in two outs in the ninth, and it was tied one-to-one, but the Braves give up a walk, a single, a walk, and a walk to blow the game. Ozzy Albies exits game three as a precaution due to neck tightness, but the Pirates take two out of three, and Braves Twitter is not happy about it. Moving on to Miami, the Dodgers go into town, and they lose three out of four. The Fish, the Fish with arms, take three games. 5-4 Marlins, 2-1 Marlins, 9-6 Marlins before the Dodgers avoided the sweep with a 6-1 victory. Neither team hit particularly well. Uh, Garrett Cooper had six hits and four walks, though, with two home runs. Aguilar with the 3-1 walk-off homer in Game 3. It was a bomb. Marte advances the third on the wild pitch, then scores on an errant throw down third, or down to third, to walk off Game 2. Dodgers not so happy about that one. Jorge Alfaro had the go-ahead home run in the eighth inning of game one. This is a great series for the Fish. A lot of come-from-behind wins. Chris Taylor had seven hits for the Dodgers. Turner had six hits with a homer. Bad news, Kershaw placed on the 10-day IL with forearm inflammation. He'll undergo an MRI today. Fish take three of four from the Dodgers. Brewers go into New York, and the Mets take two out of three. 4-2 Mets. 4-3 Mets before the Brewers took the second game of the doubleheader, 5-0. Both offenses struggle, which means the pitchers did great. DeGrom had 10 Ks with two earned runs and seven innings pitch in game two. Alonzo and Nimmo had three hits with two extra base hits each. Alonzo had the go-ahead two-run double in the seventh inning of game one. McNeil with the walk-off single in the eighth inning of the game two. Urias five hits in this. Uh, Luis Urias five hits in the series. Hits a home run in both games of doubleheader Wednesday. I love that shit. Obviously, we talked about this. Brewers acquire Rowdy Teles. He got a base hit, I think, in his first at bat. Uh, Lorenzo Cain starts his rehab assignment, and J.D. Davis is not expected to be back until after the All Star break. But the Mets take two of three. A couple good games there. Moving on to Chicago, the Phillies roll into town, and they take three out of four. 13 to three Phillies. 15 to ten Phillies. Before it was 8-3 Cubs, and then last night, 8 to nothing Phils. Phillies hit the ball, hit 13 freaking homers in the series with 23 extra base hits. Harper had eight hits, four of those for extra bases and a home run. Hoskins, McCutcheon, and Gregorius, two homers apiece. Backyard Brad with a three-homer game. We'll talk about that later. McCutcheon still going off. He had a grand slam. Harper with five hits and a homer in game two. Javi Baez had three homers. Gosh, there was a lot of offense in this freaking series. The Cubs have lost 12 of the last 13 and have been outscored 94 to 43 in those games. They are selling. Jed Hoyer said it already. See you later, guys. Phillies take three of four. Moving on. Rockies at D-backs. D-backs, Jake Snakes take two out of three from Jake's Rocks. 4-3 D-backs, 6-4 D-backs before the Rockies staved off the sweep 9-3 in the last game. Escobar, our guy, Eddie Escobar, four hits with two extra base hits and a homer. Blackman had six hits. Peralta with the walk-off hit by pitch in game one. The D-backs win back-to-back games for the first time since May 10th in their first series. Oh, they win their first series since April 29th. What is going on out there? Crone hitting the head Thursday, but clears the concussion protocol. That's good news. D-backs take two out of three. Moving on to San Francisco and the Cardinals. Cardinals rolling the town, take two out of three from the San Francisco Foggy Boys. 5-3 Cardinals, 6-5 Cardinals before Wood shoved and took the last game 5-2. to two. 
No more music, so I'm going to move on to the most exciting series. Nationals at Padres. They split the series. 7-5 Nationals, 7-4 Padres, 15-5 Nationals, 9-8 Padres. I guess offense is back in the league. Turner had seven hits with three homers. Bell, seven hits with three extra base hits and a homer. Soto, two homers. Everyone's going off the game of the year. Maybe last night, Padres come back down eight to nothing to win the game four. And that was Camarina with the walk, with the grand slam off Scherzer and Grisham with the walk off single. We're going to be talking a lot about this game. And that is what happened in the NL Padres national split. Wow. Lot, that was a lot. A lot, lot of offense. A lot going on. Great job by you, Trevor Plouffe. Jake, do you have a starting point that's uh, popping out at you? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not where you guys want to start, but that Rockies D-back series, I mean, Rockies get a win on the road to end it. A good action both ways. Eddie Escobar with the big home run last night, and that's all we'll say about that. Um, I think the one that caught all of our ears at first was Dodgers Fish, man. Like, the uh, giving the Dodgers a lot of love, they righted the shit, people are healthy, and then... uh how about fish with arms? And they blew that one game. They had a little snowball fight on the field. So that, that was the one that caught everyone's ears. Yeah. I mean, ears? they, uh, this isn't as bad as it seems for the Dodgers though. I mean, the two games they lose are walk off losses, meaning they were in it. And the one they kind of shot themselves in the foot. They still have the best record in baseball, uh, or second best record in baseball in their last 10 games. And you know, They've lost three in their last 10 games, and two of them were walk-off fashion. So it's not really um, – I don't think it's telling. It's bad that they get more losses in the Dodgers column, but I don't think it really doesn't uh, flutter the needle for me. Kershaw being hurt does a little bit. See how they can dance around that one. And the Bauer stuff does. So, Yeah, the Dodgers can go all season long. And I don't think we need to worry about them whatsoever. Their season starts in the postseason. That's bottom line. They're they're at that level where they almost they're like the Patriots. They don't care about the regular season. Let's go. Season starts in October for them. So this is a bump in the road. Obviously, you don't want to lose three out of four. But that being said, I don't want to take anything away from the Marlins. It's like a yes, like it is. It is telling for them. That's like just to hang tough with the Dodgers and to win those close games. The flip side of the coin. Coin. I'm not trying to take it away. Anything. I'm just saying. Uh, I think the Dodgers will be a fine here. The Marlins, though, that's like a, a boost. That can that can jumpstart something because they're still very well, much been, in play, kind of. Not really, but kind of. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Unfortunately, they're out of play, but it's it's going to be probably the running storyline of the season that their run differential has been the best in the NL East for a while. We'll see. It, it'll be a, a fun day when that passes. But yeah, it's been fun seeing seeing that pick up on Twitter. Like I'd I'd say twice a week a different beat reporter puts it out and they're like have you looked at the nl east and the run differential and it's like <laughs> yeah i host the number one baseball <laughs> podcast with three of the most handsome men in the world so i reply that to every tweet i have been seeing you leave yeah. that left and right yeah um the marlins speaking of like you know they offered starlin Marte. An extension? Did you see that? I did not. They're trying to Marlins did. Yeah, they're trying to offer him a three-year extension. So he's one of the biggest trade pieces I think out there right now. 
if you want a true rental. And he might be coming off the board with the Marlins trying to extend him. You think that's a little you you think that's a little mental warfare? You think that's the Marlins putting that in the ether to drive the price up a little bit? Yes. But they may also want to hey, extend him. They, Jim knows what she's doing. They do kind of have a window here with some pitching, even though they, they did get the the six stone news, which is bad. But yeah, I mean, uh, Marlins have reportedly offered thirty million thirty million dollar extension for Stellar Marte. Uh, deal is significantly apart from what the Marte camp is expecting. They want a three yeah. to four year deal with fifty million. So yeah, I mean, there is a lot of that, Jake. But it's and something to take note of. Either way, we're here for it. Yeah. Either yes, that's that's what I want. What really stood out to me was the Mets Brewers series, two yeah. number one teams. Uh, I know we had more exciting games in other places, but the Mets Brewers is two number one teams going at it, and the Mets win two of three. The Brewers they have to do the double header, and we were, you know, we were had some insight a little bit, Jake, to the thinking of do you start uh, Burns against Degrom in game one. Or do you start Anderson against DeGrom and then in game two start Burns against who did, who did the Mets throw in game two? Robert Stark, Stock, my arch nemesis. One of my arch nemesis. Yes, very friendly to us, uh, but did quote tweet you once. Yes. Bobby Stocks. Uh, and they went with the, the matchup the fans wanted. They went with Burns versus DeGrom, and it was really good. And they both shoved. And then Hader gives up the, the tying home run. A pinch hit homer off of first pitch. First pitch off of Hader. I, I was very curious when I saw that. I was like, how many pinch hit homers has Hader given up uh, in his career? And I Googled it. The answer is four. Um, that's his first, that's his second pitch hit homer to tie the game, uh, it, to blow the save in the last inning. But Sam Hillard for the Rocks also got him. I had a, uh, I had a, like a, joke i was gonna throw in there in my recap and i like thought about it last night and i was like oh this is probably gonna hit like as i'm doing this now if i tell you guys the joke i don't think it's gonna be that funny okay well you've really set it up well yeah i don't care if you guys laugh at it or not i was gonna say all right like my neighbor madonna hater gets touched for the first time this season it was his first home run he gave up this year I love it. So I think during it would have been good, but now it's not that channeling your inner Jake with that one. That's a great line. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Trev, if you want to, uh, maybe one late night in Denver, we have a couple of the local medicine and dream up a few of those. I'm in. Oh yeah. Uh, That was a bomb. Good for him. Everyone was going nuts. The Mets proved something in this series for sure. Brewers are a hell of a team. Obviously, Mets are a hell of a team. They've been doing it all freaking year. And I don't think we do give them enough credit. We're always looking, who's going to chase down the Mets? Who's going to chase down the Mets? I say it all the freaking time. And I don't know if it's biased because I said the Braves were going to win the World Series, and I'm hoping that happens. Uh, but the Mets deserve a hell of a lot of credit for what they did in the offseason and what they're doing this year. So, how uh, big series for them. How close are... How close are their games? Like, have they made up majority of their games now? You know, I, you know, I was always saying uh, I'm interested uh, to see when they when they finally get even. They're like ten games behind some teams. I can find they played eighty. They played eighty three games, and other teams have played eighty nine. So they still have some something to go. Okay, yeah, they, the Brewers have played eighty nine. Giants have played eighty six. Okay. So they got something to go. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anything else? I mean, obviously the Padres stuff. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? Great series. The Padres so resilient. That stadium looks badass. I think Eno was there yesterday. He's been. I think he's been in San Diego. Our guy Eno. Hell yeah. Seems like such an amazing yeah. atmosphere. I got to get down to a game there. The Crone Zone was yeah, doing man. it yesterday. Great freaking defensive play. And then Grisham, who like I think Grisham's like a really fucking good player. That yes. maybe we don't talk about enough. Maybe? Yeah, I think Jake yeah. talked about it a while ago when he was on a hot streak. Um, yeah, he's got some numbers that go with like some of the best players in the game, but you get caught up in the the Tatises and Machado. But yeah, obviously Camarena. We're teaser. We might talk about that in a little bit. And uh, man, I mean, if you're a Nats fan, <laughs> you got Scherzer on the bump with a big lead and you think you're about to take three out of four from the Padres. I'm interested to see what the Padres do this weekend because I've been talking about the spark going into the All-Star break and a little Slam Diego resurgence. Like, mm, you know, the Padres later. Trailing, trailing the Dodgers and San Fran all year. I'm interested to see if there's if there is a residual effect. You got real choppy on me at the end. Whoa, whoa. Something happened. What'd you say? I said uh, interested to see if there's a residual effect from from the slammer. Oh, okay. All right. I want to talk about the Cubs. Do it. They're selling. After all this. For sale sign. After all this, when Jake and I, or Trev and I were saying that it would be very interesting if they are the, they are sellers at the deadline, and then they got real hot, and they're like, ah, they're not selling. They're in it. And then they're buyers, buyers. And then now they go on an 11-game skid, and Hoyer comes out and says, basically, we're selling. He said he's having a meeting with the core players before the deadline, and he said 11 goes 11 days ago, all the calls were about us buying players. His quote is, uh, you know, life comes at you fast. 11 days ago, this is not where we were mentally. Obviously, 11 games certainly changes a lot of things. When your playoff odds get into the single digits at this time of year, you have to keep an eye on the future and what moves you can potentially make that can help build the next great Cubs team. He expects to talk with the core players ahead of the trade deadline and their moves. So we are in that fun area, Trev, that you and I dreamed about during the PPPs or TPPs. What if the Cubs are sellers? And you have the GM saying those quotes. The Cubs are selling. Uh, we don't, oh, they're selling. I don't know to what extent. They have a lot of guys. They have Rizzo, which I kind of hope he stays and as they extend him because he seems like the guy there. Um, man, they got um, they got Bryant. They got Baez. They got Contreras. They got, I mean, Haps around for uh, – Two more seasons after this one, but maybe they get a haul now. How? What, what's Hoyer's window on the turnaround? So that's uh, the most fun, not for Cubs fans, and I'd never mean it anti-Cubs. I just mean it for deadline fun. A lot of more players that are good just got added to the mix. Who do you think goes first? Or do you think these guys go? I think Kimbrell is going to be like who everyone's looking at. Because, pe- I mean, he's the one. He's coveted relievers like that are coveted by every single freaking team that's in contention. You know, if you don't, you don't have to 
if you have a shortstop or a good infield, you're not going to go after Javi Baez. Uh, you know, and same thing with Chris Bryan. If you, I mean, I, I guess those guys are going to help any team too, but a reliever's market is so much bigger now. So I think he's gone for sure. Um, what, Big Country? Chafin? He might be out of there too. And then, yeah, all those guys are free agents. So, you know, you keep one? Like, I think Rizzo might stay, sure, but you're not keeping Bryant. You're not keeping Bias. Like, they're just, they're not going to be there, man. And you're right. Like, they're going to help a team. It's going to change the landscape of baseball this year. Those guys are like marquee players, especially like a Chris Bryant. Like, he's going to go help somebody and he's going to be in the playoffs. And it's awesome. So I'm saying the Cubs, Kimbrel, man. At, people are saying Kimbrel could be the biggest return for whatever trades go down. Like, cause I, I think his contract goes into next year. There's a team option for next year and he's looked so, so good and being a reliever. So yeah, man. And Hey, I was always, that would be exciting. I just thought the Cubbies were going to give it a run this year. And they did until they ate shit behind Rossi. Such a bad stretch. You know, since he's pulled Javi that game, and we talked about like, oh, they want to get ready for this road trip. I think they're two and thirteen or something like that, including an eleven gamer. So, you know, be careful what you do to the players. Trying to make a point. I don't think that helped too much. Top managers. I wasn't. Do you huh? do you think managers can affect the culture that way? You pull. I mean, I don't think that's what happened. Okay. They played some good teams too, but like it didn't help. I don't know what's going on in the clubhouse. I haven't spoken to anybody about like how that affected the clubhouse. I'm just saying like that streak coincided with them taking Hobby Baez out of the game. Yep. I mean, there's some really fun spots for him to go. I can see the A's making that move. That seems like kind of the half-assed move the A's make. Just bring a closer in uh, on a rental piece to help out the bullpen. You can see the Red Sox, man. The Red Sox could say, we want him. The Astros. Uh, Kimbrell's going to go to a team that already has a good enough bullpen and just because they can. That's the type of trade I think that he'll, he'll, that'll be made surrounding him. Like the Dodgers. Dodgers too, yeah. But that's a fun one. He's got a, ve- he's got a vesting option uh, next year. I don't know what the stimulations or whatever surrounding that are, but I just I only saw the beat reporters that were saying, you know, you can have Kimbrel for next year too, so that's why he might be a bigger haul. I think it might have already Kimbrel invested. Presley, Do yeah. you know it, BBD? It says he. I think he's had a couple vest with 110 games finish across 2020 and 2021, but I think obviously last year's stuff with pro rating. Um, and games a, finished. Games finished. So he needed he needs fifty he needed fifty five for this year to get there. It looks like. So can someone trade for him and then use and him in the eighth? Use him in the eighth inning and not the ninth inning, and then he doesn't vest. Sure. Fuck. <laughs> uh, and I think he also already met a, another vesting option that increases the amount his of his buyout. So that's nice for him. Contracts are crazy. All right, I'm interested in looking into that in the offseason or, or if the trade happens because, you know, say one of those teams trades for him and say, yeah, but you're going to be our eighth inning guy. Well, then his vesting option won't hit because it's all about games finished. But then he... So it, yeah, but- it looks like 
It looks like it's a club slash vesting option. So I think the club is going to have the choice either way. Okay. Yeah. Vesting options are notoriously team friendly. All right. Because they can manipulate them if they need to. And if they, you do hit your, your, if you do vest and you hit all your numbers, that's good for them too. Well, all right. That's the fun Cubs news of the day and not fun for Cubs fans, but for fans of traits. And the Phillies took three out of four, so they helped push them this way. So good job by the Phils. There was a there was a clip of I, I forget which Cubs pitcher it was, but know how when you give up a home run and there's a good reaction by the catcher, like they just know it's a missed pitch and it's oh. jacked. There was a really good one. I, I think it was last night that was just like you in the catcher's reaction, you could feel the emotion of all those losses and it's just not working and how are we doing this? And it's like, damn, that's a bad place to be. It was backyard Brad's Homer, right? I think so. Yes. It was his last one. Yeah. How about the Cardinals taking two or three from the first place giants, the best record in all of baseball. The Cardinals been on a crazy slide. Um, they scored some runs late um, against the bullpen in game one. Gossman was good. They got to the bullpen does this move the needle for the cards at all? Is this anything? They got to keep going, man. They got to keep going. They dug themselves a pretty big hole. Okay. They're uh, see what they do at the, at the trade yeah, they're deadline. In, they're in the Yankee shoes right now. They're trying to move the needle to move the needle. <laughs> yeah. Trying to put batteries into the needle mover first. Then they'll mm. start shaking it. See if it moves. I've been there. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about in the NL before moving on? Go Pirates. Braves. What are you doing? All right, Braves. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing, Braves? All right. Hey, let's go to the AL recap. Jakey's going to bring you this one, and it is brought to you by Sports Pets USA. Jake has a dog. I have two dogs. They sent our dogs some baseball jerseys. Look cute as hell in those. Pretty funny. Uh you know, I'm not going to dress up my dog in – dressing up a dog is funny. I don't think my dogs are going to be going out in raincoats in the rain or whatever. Actually, actually, when we took Mac in the snow, we had to get a snow jacket because he was clumping up on his underbelly a lot. But Sports Pets USA, they have over 5,000 fully licensed products for MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, and NCAA. Pet jerseys, collars, leashes, tags, toys, and more. Um, so – Go get your favorite item at their store now and use code BASEBALL. You can get 20% off the entire site. Go get your pet a jersey for their favorite sports team at sportspetusa.com and use discount code BASEBALL at checkout for 20% off. We'll have the link below. Jake, did you put your uh, jersey on Noodle? You look delicious. I have. we, We have some content coming soon. Um, you know how the content schedule goes. You can't just like keep posting. So okay, all right. So go dress up your dog. Get him a birthday. Get it a birthday present. The AL recap. Here we go, Jake. Tell us what happened. Jimmy, let's start with EBD's Yankees in Seattle, the Mariners. How about that? And the Yankees came out big in game one. They knock around former farmhand Justice Sheffield in the tune to 12 to 1. They survived the second game 5 to 4. And then Logan Gilbert 
drops it on him in the third game, so the Yankees do go sweepless in Seattle. Blue Jays in the Orioles. Uh-oh. Jake's Jays. People are talking. They split the series. Game three was postponed. How about it? 7-5 Orioles, 10-2 Jays in the Ryu start. How about it? Vladdy Bichette, Guriel, four hits and a homer each. How cute is that? Vladito, 28 homers. I think one more for the over. Good bet, Jake. The Rays. Hey, they kind of needed this a little bit. But they sweep the Indians. Indians, they had a bad time for a little bit. 9-8-8-1-4-0 in a doubleheader day. Waka and McHugh, friend of the pod. Uh, Eddie Rosario to the IL. Margo to the IL. I don't like that. Yandy Diaz, the walk-off fielder's choice in game one. You got to love that. Tigers at Trev's Rangers. Tigers are winning series, fellas. They take this one two games out of three. 7-3, 10-5 Rangers in the Dunning start. And then 5-3 Tigers. Casey Mize, these young pitchers, man. And compound Zach Short, second career homer. Uh-oh. People are talking. Gibby gets screwed by the bullpen. Trevor wax poetically about that. The Houston Astros beat up on the Athletics. They take the first two games, 9-6, 4-3. Athletics save it in the last one. Frankie Montes with the big start to survive it. Kyle Tucker, big go-ahead homer uh, in game two to take over that one. Elvis Andrews, I want to look up his stats. He's starting to hit. I've seen a lot of Elvis Andrews highlights recently. Astros and Yanks, fun series this weekend. Twins, Trev's Twins hosted BBD's White Sox. White Sox take two out of three, and that's obvious. Lance Lynn and Rodone each go six innings pitch, one earned run. That's fun. Max Kepler, two yakkers. Is the big German? Could he be traded? People are talking. Yes, Monty Grandel gets hurt. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And finally, in the American League, the Angels take two out of three from the Boston Red Sox. Who saw this coming, guys? Uh, Red Sox win the first game 5-4. Martin Perez uh, was on the bump for that. Otani Day, the second game, that home run robbery. I hope you guys all saw that. Um, Lagar is still doing it like 20 years later. And then Angels take the rubber match 5-4. Rendon goes to the IL. Third IL since the season. I hate it. David Fletcher is doing things, boys. That's a confusing one. First time issue. You're back now. Hey. Back now? There yep. we go. BBD go. to the rescue. All right. Great job on the on the whatever, Jake. Good job. Thank you. Uh, congrats to the Angels. Firmly beating a team that is firmly better than them. They're, they're saying they're, they're, the chat is saying they still can't hear you. Wait. Now we're saying we're delayed. back. Wait. They're just delayed. Um Yeah. The uh the Angels are the hottest team in baseball right now. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. And for a while, they were only beating teams better than them, losing the teams losing the teams better than them, beating teams worse than them. This is the first time that they beat a team that is, you know, by the numbers better than them. So congrats to them. Otani, Robin are doing everything. So credit to them. Credit to them. And, man, 
uh, Rendon to the IL again. He's just never gotten off the ground this year. That sucks for them. I mean, if there's a couple team the circles, the Angels and the Mariners, as the trade deadline approaches, like this Angels franchise in theory is all in. Are they going to try to be aggressive and make moves at the deadline? Uh, the Mariners are still a game up on them. They've got a lot of youth, so you're probably just letting that play out. But those are a couple teams. Like, what what do you do? You can't if you're the Mariners GM, you don't want to shoot that team in the foot when when they've been somewhat successful this year and and trade off a couple relievers or whatever. I I don't know. How That's do you have them call. getting to the call, playoffs? Man. Neither of those That's teams are close to getting a playoff spot the mariners a little bit but i agree with you the angels aren't i mean i mean if the mariners are close to the playoffs spot, the angels are close to the playoffs but they're one game behind the mariners so i don't think either are they'd have to really really like they'd have to do it without help i mean if they make trades it'll be little trades try to get a guy who's got a couple years on on his contract and not incredibly expensive right now. You can't. And that goes for the Yankees too. The three of them are in the same boat. Fuck. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because they do, the Mariners have a ton of prospect capital. One of the better farm systems in the big leagues. Got a young team kind of doing well. Like I know you're going to talk about Logan Gilbert gym in a little bit but like he looked nasty so like what's to say they don't go out and get a, a starter and, and run it i don't know man it it's just it's do it in free agency well why not this year depends as what you a have player to on that team you'd want you'd want that you'd want your ownership in your front office to be like to recognize what you've done up until this point we've basically given them no credit all season long but look they're sitting what like six or seven games above 500 where are they at? Four. I had it up here. Four games over 500. It's interesting. I, I kind of agree with you, Jim, where it's like it's probably not the time yet. And, you know, knowing the front office like we do because of what they did in the offseason and all the stuff that they said, I doubt they go and make a big splash, but they could. What about the Cubs then? I mean, Jed Hoyer, Hoyer just said when your playoff probability is a one-digit number – at this point in the season, you're not buyers. The uh, Angels and the Mariners are both at 5% and 4% respectively. So, like, they're not buyers. They're different because the Cubs have to be sellers. The Mariners aren't selling anybody. You know, maybe they, maybe if they want to, they can sell uh, with Graveman. It's true. I but just they're, think they're in a great position no. to call up young people and, 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 and let them get a lot of experience and, and run. And that's, that's what I was saying, Jim. I mean, the Mariners are in a really tricky spot because, you know, Mitch Haniger, who we talked about a lot, like he's been a big part of that team. You, you almost, you want to encourage the youth. They've done good. They've kind of over exceeded expectations. So if you give them a shot, you know, if they trade uh, Haniger and Graveman, now you just kind of, it, the team did good. They did better than they were supposed to, and you're going to shoot them in the foot. So, I mean, I'm with you. I, I don't think you can make a big trade to bring someone in, but you also kind of can't sell it. It's a tricky spot. And the Angels, the only thing that's different there is, I mean, that team is in. Like, they spent money. 
this offseason. Yeah. Right? We could disagree with how they spent it, but you know, that team's in and it's Otani fever. Like I they're gonna be in the mix. This is like a uh and uh, sorry to all the people who always hate when I use Yankee team references, but that's what I know the best. The twenty sixteen Yankees. They they traded pieces they knew they could get a return for, but brought in pieces that were still competitive, and then they brought up Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge and let them get a lot of experience, and Gary went crazy, so that pushed them to some fun games. But, you know, they traded Chapman, and they traded uh, Miller, but they brought in Clippert, who was an MLB uh, above-average reliever at the time for the end of that 2016 team. So there's a way that you can flip some pieces you have for some pieces that still make you competitive while promoting some young guys and giving them some long run for next year. But I mean, you're, they're not sellers. I know that, but because they want to win next year, but they're, they're, they're certainly not going to be big buyers. Yeah. Otherwise the Cubs should stick with it. Cause they got yeah. same odds. Yeah, uh, just different energies. I mean, Cubs traded away their best pitcher before the season, and we knew this was coming with them where the Mariners... The Cubs' slope has been going down. The Mariners' slope is going up. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, they do have some pieces that, like, you know, could make a return, could get you something. They both got relievers on one-year deals. Graveman, Iglesias, they've been doing well. So, like, if you Didn't can, get, talk s- about, uh, you can get something Seager? for those guys, do it. What's that? Wasn't that mentioned like they're talking about selling Seager and his wife was like, I guess we should sell our house in Seattle now. Yeah, He's got an option um, for next year. And they, he, he came out <clears throat> and said on that rotary club meeting that they're not going to pick it up. It's yeah. uh, so, you know, if they wanted to trade Seager to a team that wants him, God, there's ways fun. There's ways they can sell a piece or two without blowing up and then, and then stay competitive for next year. Oh yeah, they're not blowing up that team. Like Jake said, I, they're on the they're on the rise there. Yeah, but I they know, do have I'm some, not I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah. The more we look at it, they the do have players to sell. Hanniger, Graveman, Seeger, like all those guys can go and they keep everybody intact. Like I I mean, look, if you want to you want to hop on a bandwagon, Seattle's not a uh, bad bandwagon to hop on this year and then you you're like hitting it right at the beginning, baby. Yeah. I'm saying I, I guess where it sums up is I both those teams, the Yankees as well at this point, should be thinking of how to get better for next season more than how do we try to scratch and claw to get in a away wild card game. This is interesting. Someone in the chat, Lions in the chat says Seeger's option becomes a player option if he is traded. So that means he's probably staying put. Oh, that's a very good note. Thank you, for chat. We appreciate you. You guys know more than us a lot of the time. That is that, a lot. That's interesting. So he's not getting traded. Probably not. Probably wouldn't have anyway, because that's like kind of like a. He's a dude there. Yeah, he's like. Oh my gosh, guy. he's a guy there. People yeah. will pay to see him if they know it's his last couple games in Seattle, and they, and they could still sign him without picking up his option. He just probably wouldn't like that. I can. Have we see talked that, about? Though. Is anyone talking about Gibby later? I'm not. I talked I talked to Gib and I don't know if you watched what happened, but he came out uh with a runner on or maybe two runners on and then it was just bad, bad luck for him. Like ground ball back to the pitcher that gets zooed. There was like a fly ball like in short right field that just landed in front of Gallo. There were some walks. So like in the end, his line is bad. It's uh 
five earned runs and six and a third, but I think he gave up one himself or two himself and the bullpen just kind of two. Yeah. Yeah. Not really like their fault either. It was just like bloops and little dink hits and all that stuff. So tough for him because he goes, you know, his ERA balloons a little bit right before the all-star game. Uh, he was saying I, he was hoping to have cash, you know, to have to decide between him and Lance Lynn to start. And now he thinks that Lynn will obviously get it. He's he was also mad at me because he said that I mentioned on this show that maybe he's not a sub two pitcher. Wow. He took a little bit of offense to that. What? I said, bro, I got to keep it real. Like, who is a sub two pitcher? That's like a mythical dude. It is. It's a good, it's a good point, Bam. Yeah, like low twos is really good, Gib. Like, how many people go sub two a year? One, two? I think one if the league's lucky. Yeah. If, if your name's Jake, maybe. This is true. If you have a dog name like Jake or Max, mm. you're, you have a chance. Let's see. Read a picture. Uh, well, 2020 doesn't count. Um, no one did it in 2019. In 2018, DeGrom and Snell did it. No one did it in 17. No one did it in 16. Granky did it in 15. Kershaw did it in 14 and 13. Okay. Dude, in the AL, Snell's 18 is the only one to do it in 21 years. The last one was... The last one was Pedro in 2000. So since 2000, only two pitchers have had an ERA sub two in the AL. And Gibby's in the AL. So, so chill I out, think, Gibby. Yeah, so you're good. You're good. <laughs> I believe Gibby. That's good. Man. All right. What else we got? Astros take two or three from the A's because that's I feel like that's obvious. Like they've been whooping up on them. I think the A's are three and ten this year against them. Uh, but as we pointed out on the Chris Rose IG live, that division is far from over six of the last nine games between these two teams to end the season. So hopefully they're close separated by like three games. And then we get to see two awesome series. It'd be a lot of fun. Did they whip up on them? Good. I wish one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So that, Astros have what? They're nine and four against them right now. Nine and four. Okay, I thought it was the other. So I was three and ten. Okay, so nine and four. But I think the run differential is ugly because Houston, when they beat them, they beat them pretty big. You know, we got to point this out because we talked a lot about about a lot about spin and who's whose rates are way down and, you know, Houston gets a lot of uh, shit for being like a spin factory. They improved a lot of guys' spin. Ryan Presley goes over there. He was already a good spin guy before he went there, but he's kept it up. His spin rate has been about the same since they did the uh, you know the enforcing of the rules. So we kind of have to shout that guy out a little bit because he's just, as Jake would say, built different. He doesn't give a shit who's in the box. That's what I really when I watch Ryan Presley pitch, I know he doesn't think about who's in the box. He doesn't care about your weaknesses. He's going to throw that slide ball up there and say, good luck. Love that for him. It's a good approach. 
Uh, the Rays, they were on a really bad skid. Their last 30 were like 500, under 500. They sweep the Indians, so good for them to get back on the right track and uh, pick up some Ws with the doubleheader. Doubleheader sweep, man. It's a good day. Where was the uh, the no-hitter, right? They had a four-person no-hitter. Yeah, I think, Which I think that guy count. Fairbanks... Fairbanks was involved. Was like well, your best pitchers. friend was also involved. He started it. McHugh. Fairbanks is my best friend. It was wow. um, it was McHugh, friend. Fleming, Diego for one out, Whistler. Is it Whistler? And Fairbanks. It's the third time the Indians have been no-hit this season. Well, it's technically not a no-hitter, but yes, Jim, they'd be on the top. There's three teams that have been actually no-hit twice. And this would have put the Indians at the top there for three, but they don't count it. Well, but the way I'm thinking of it, it's they're the it's the third time the Indians have not gotten a hit in a game. Yeah, and they got four hits through both doubleheaders, only one run. I made fun of Chris Rose with these statistics. So. Oh, <laughs> man, that's tough. Yeah, tough one. Ooh. Remember, that they were like good, and they were like doing it, and like now they're just not that good. Their pitching got tough, and then. Bad times. Yeah. All right. I have the interleague play, and I will tell you what happened right now. We only got one series. The Reds went to Kansas City to take on the Royals, and the Reds won the first game with rookie Vladimir Gutierrez. Gutierrez? Shit. Huh? Gutierrez. Gutierrez. He outpitched veteran Mike Miner in game one, so the Reds took that one. The Royals took game two, even though Castillo went seven innings, pitched one earned run, continuing his hot stretch because the Reds blew it in the bottom of the ninth. Gino Suarez lets a ball go right through the legs, then they get a throwing error, then Salvi walks it off for the Royals. Uh, Sonny Gray pitched really well in game three to get help them get the win against Brady Singer. Gray then placed on the 10-day IL with rib cage strain. That sucks. Ben Intendi hits his first home run since returning from the IL. Tyler Stevenson had five hits with a double. Jonathan India, four hits with two doubles and three RBIs. The Reds committed three errors in that one game. That led to them losing. Otherwise, they maybe could have swept it. Bummer. That's all. That's what happened. Reds and Royals. Well, Midwest battle. Huge series. Huge series. The Reds, man. How about uh, we gotten caught up in the Cardinals and, you know, they got to stay alive to stay alive? The Reds. They're second in the NL Central. Brewers have run away, but, like, good for the Reds. Where are they in the wild card in the National League? I mean, no one's there. They are the top. Wild card. They're five and a half games out, but that's not going to them. I don't really have a team to root for, so I'm curious. Maybe you guys can share some insight on this. When you have a team like the Reds, you know, what are they, three games over 500, you know, playing better ball as of late, but they're looking up at a seven-game deficit right now. Like, what do you feel as a fan? Are you, like, very uh, optimistic about the rest of the season? Are you like, fuck, like, 
don't draw me in like this just to be, let me down later in the season. Like, where do you where do you go if you're a Reds fan? Are you just completely buying in and hopefully they do something? Like, I, wh- like where are you at? Good question. I have no idea. It's all about expectations, as Jake would say. I got. I think it depends on the fans' expectations before the season happened. Because, and then like the style of play, the pitching, the injured list. Like, there's a lot of factors that. So, if you're Reds fans, let us know. How you feeling? I'd, I'd like to think if you're a Reds fan and you were told, hey, in July, you guys are going to be second in the Central, and like Winker and Castellanos are nasty. Like, I, I think Reds fans before the season would have signed up for that. Interested to find out. Yeah. Um, all right. We have to play, uh, we have to do the stimulation simulator. You ready? What? It's time to stimulate the simulations with Big Baby David. If the playoffs happened right now, the AL wildcard has the A's flying to Tampa to play the Rays. BBD, who wins that game? Rays. Wow, he's back on. Okay, uh, the divisional series would be the White Sox at Red Sox. Red Sox has have home field advantage. White Sox. Ooh, the Rays at who's number one? Um, Houston. The Astros? Yes, the Astros. Because the Astros and the Red Sox have the same exact record, but the Astros have the head-to-head. So it would be the Rays at Houston. Houston. Good team. White Sox versus Houston. Houston. Wow, we got Astros in the World Series. In the National League, the Padres and the Dodgers have locked up the wild card again. Padres going to L.A. L.A. Okay. And then you have uh, the Mets going to Milwaukee. We just had that series, and the Mets took two out of three. Brewers. Mm. How about L.A. flying up to San Francisco? For that battle in the DS. L.A. Okay. And then Brewers versus L.A. Brewers would have home field advantage. Brewers. Wow. The World Series is the Brewers versus the Astros with the Astros having home field advantage. And who wins the World Series? Houston. Damn. They won last week as well. Back-to-back wins for Houston in the stimulation simulator. Congrats to them. Well, next Friday we won't be doing this, but we'll bring it back. The uh, can be part of the Friday app. Nothing changed in the series there. So Who do same you, winner, sta- same standings. There weren't a lot of uh, people who had the Astros in the World Series preseason, so I'm going to pat myself on the back. Didn't we all say that? Didn't we all say that? Not no. maybe not the World Series. I think we said that. We said they. We said they'd be, be, be. They'd be good. I think we said the AL goes through Houston still. We'd said people were just too, were too down on them from sort of having a bad sixty game season because they were technically below five hundred and people took too much stock in that. It's like guys, they're still mm-hmm. good. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's move on to the second half of the show where we talk about some individual players and awards and slump watch. We've got standout performances. Yes. I'm up. You're I'm up first, batting lead off on standout performances. It's me. And I'm giving it. Thank you, BBD. I'm giving it to Jared Walsh, first baseman for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in Orange County. Two for four, two homers and three RBIs. And we don't necessarily talk enough about this guy and what he's doing. Um, he's got a 9-11 OPS on the year, guys. A lot of people were clamoring for him to start the year you know, with Pujols there. Pujols finally gets moved. That's Those are big shoes to fill. And he's just kind of like risen to the occasion. And you got Otani there like doing his thing. So you don't really hear enough about Jared. But when you watch the guy hit, he's just, he looks like, the, I get the same feeling when I look at Jordan Alvarez. Like these guys can just break. Like they don't, they don't miss pitches when they're in the zone. Like I like the balance that he has and, and those homers he hit. They were crispy, baby. So I saw them, saw his name on the sheet, wanted to pick him. Um, was a pitcher at, I think, uh, University of Georgia, kind of a two-way guy. So his numbers in college, not that great, but since he's been in pro ball, look out, man. I can rake. Um, he's a Wisconsin guy, Jake, so I know you love him. I like reading Trevor Blue stuff. He's got a lot of good takes. Go Jared Walsh. I'm, I'm a big fan. All-star Jared Walsh. Good yeah, for him. Huge year. Huge. Like a huge year. Jake? I'd be surprised if he wasn't in like the top 95% for like exit velocity. I'm going to go look that up right now. Okay. Tell us what you find. Jake, who is your standout performer? DVD, did you get my text? I got your text. I think uh, Jimmy's going to have to play the audio. Yeah, when you want it. He's the one connected to the board. Let it rip now. Camarena to deep right field. Camarena plays it. Slam Diego. Are you kidding me? The Padres pitcher that is brought up from El Paso, the San Diego kid, set a grand slam. That's unbelievable. (laughs) Off back Scherzer. Did you say anything else? I think you're good there. I think you're good there. He, uh, Don Ursillo, who gets a, a lot of love on the internet, and deservedly so. I think he was next to Ron Darling when he said, I love reading Trevor Plouffe's stuff, if I remember that correctly. Um, it, guys, you know, a, a wordsmith I am not. Um, pretty simple, little chunky guy. Uh, the Daniel Camarena stuff is so cool. And I, I think the other part that comes with it, I mean, Arcillo gets so much of it in the broadcast. He just gets called up. Uh, two games, 10 years in the minors. Hits a grand slam off Scherzer on a 1-2 pitch. 
out of the strike zone. He goes down and gets it. The reaction from his brother is world-class. I mean, it's tears. Um, they have one camera shot on the brother the whole time. If you watch that and you don't feel emotion, like you're not welcome in my life. Um, so yeah, I, I don't even have to wax poetic. I, I mean, I, I do think the other thing I liked, you can tell on the internet when there's genuine, when a guy is genuinely liked and everyone who had come across Camarena's path wasn't just doing it to get their tweet off. They were like, this is a, this is a good dude. Uh, this is awesome. And man, how about Camarena? He keeps a straight face the whole time. Uh, so credit to him for that. But uh, awesome. Took over baseball last night, deservedly so. Um, that's what I got. Good moment. He, did, he wasn't even in his body at that point, dude. Although he did remember to spin the chain. I was impressed with that. They put the chain on. He spun it right away. Like, that's... That's like knowing your surroundings and like kind of like, you know, figuring it out. But what an awesome moment. Got to spin the chain. I told you guys. Because you got to. As good as Orsillo's call is, go watch the Nationals broadcast call of it because I think it's even better. Yeah, and a lot of people in the chat are saying play, it. play that, play that. But we played well. I'll just, tell you what's, I'll just tell you what they said. Basically, they were calling for Max Scherzer to blow it by him. One, two count. And he just drops it all over Scherzer. What, what's going on? What's going through Max's mind right there? Like, what? Like, no one told him he could hit. He's mad at the <laughs> scouting. Someone's got to tell. Hey, this guy can actually swing it a little bit. Uh, you throw Cam that. Marino said he blacked out around the bases. <laughs> you throw that pitch to a reliever, a relief pitcher who's hitting. I mean, ninety-nine out of hundred times, that's just like a ball or a swinging strike. Yes. Uh, that was the one out of 100. It's a little giant speech there. Just one time. It was awesome, dude. And then for them to come back and win the game. Yeah. yeah. For, that's what I asked you guys. Like, it was meaningful, right? Because I fell asleep at 8 o'clock last night. 9 o'clock. Yeah, man. Our guy transition, uh, baby. You know, probably last year of the DH. So if, if you're an NL diehard, you know, put that last feather in oh your cap. God. Like, cool. But like, if you're the if you're the NL person today on the internet, being like, "Oh, so you like pitchers hitting?" No, I fucking hate it. It's terrible. Nice <laughs> moment. Yeah, I hate. Well, I would like I pitchers hate, hitting if they took it seriously. Yeah, I hate when I hate when they use that as uh, the reason why I should stay around. Same with intentional walks when they're like, "Well, we'll just." Get rid of throwing the ball four times. Like, well, what about when they miss and it's a wild pitch? Or what about when the guy? Like, yeah, like a very cool moment. Not gonna lie, but it happens twice a year. Uh, good standout performer. I am going with the rookie Logan Gilbert, mm. Seattle Mariner pitcher. Uh, called up this year, made his. Debut on May 13th against the Indians and is slowly uh, really finding himself. He's had a lot of good outings already as a starter for the Mariners. The Yankees in game one of this series beat up on Justice Sheffield, who didn't really have much. It wasn't like, you know, the bats won. It was more like, yeah, that was bad pitching. Game two, they beat up on Yusei Kikuchi, my dude, who um, has having a really good season. So the Yankees' bats were going. I mean, they had like 13 hits and then 10 hits or – those are fake numbers, but they had a lot of hits in both games. 
Then they go to the rookie, Logan Gilbert, who's a two-pitch pitcher, Trev. I mean, he threw a changeup um, four times, and he, or he threw a, he threw a changeup two times, a knuckle curve four times. Everything else was just his fastball and his slider. So rookie, seeing a team for the first time, two-pitch pitcher, and he just absolutely dominated the Yankees who the bats had just gotten going. He gives up one hit. He had um, 32% swing and miss rate in the game, which is really impressive. He had him off balance. He was changing it up well. He strikes out eight guys. Uh, Also one hit by pitch. No walks. So he was just attacking them, keeping them off balance. A lot of bad swings. Uh, And a young kid that is highly touted, highly thought of, but just uh, put it all together against the Yankees and just dominated. I mean... He went five innings, two hits against um, the Angels earlier in the year, and he's had some good starts. It's not like this is his only good start, but, I mean, seven innings pitched, one hit, eight Ks, no walks. Hell of a start. It looked like when I watched the you know the highlights of it, he was kind of out of the middle of the zone a lot, and people were just not comfortable in the box against him. There are times when you're in the box and, and – a guy's throwing the ball and it looked like a couple of his fastballs. He was losing arm side, but they were still like hitting the top part of the zone or some of them he was pulling a little bit, but those ones were hitting like the down and away to a righty spot in the zone. And then he was throwing that slider off it. Just a, a ton of, a ton of swings that looked like guys were having trouble picking the ball up early. And when that happens, it's going to be a long freaking day. So he looked good, man. Like I'm pretty impressed with him. He's a, He's a first-round pick for them, like a guy I think who they're counting on to be a guy guy. And, you know, flashes like that. Like he's had a good year, but like you said, Jim, last night was pretty was pretty special. Yeah, I actually I have it up because I was interested in when he used his knuckle curve because it seems like it probably very strategic. Um, he only threw the knuckle curve. He threw the knuckle curve, what I say, four times. Two times it was the first pitch of the at-bat. And then two times it was when he was 0-1, so I got ahead early. And I, I'm going to guess, if I go look at it, that those all came, like, second time through the lineup or third just to show them. Like, oh, by the way, I do have this uh, as, like, a get-me-over, which is cool pitching. And I appreciate it. He, uh, he, he's got a nice little stretch going. I think his last seven starts are really good and, you know, uh, I, to recent fans, I was getting kind of baby glass now vibes. He had, he's got the hair, he had the high socks going and he was just dominating. Uh, Buster only a uh, friend of the pod, uh, who you might respect his opinion a little more than mine. Uh, he texted the Yanks broadcast booth during the game and he's like, I'm getting Weaver brother vibes, Jeff and Ooh. Jared Weaver. So kind of, yeah, a little bit of length to it, but some nasty stuff. Yeah, he's six six. That that makes it tough when you're when you're going up a guy that's tall like that and getting some extension. I think that's probably why another reason we saw some of those swings that were just not very competitive from the Yankees. In the first, in the first inning, he threw only fastballs, and his slowest fastball was ninety five point eight or ninety five miles per hour. Three batters, only fastballs. And then with Stanton, he showed the knuckle curve after being 0-1. Probably a really smart guy to to do that with. And then he saved the knuckle curve and the change for later on. 
Oh, oh, and there was Stanton again who got it. So it was a Stanton plan. Nice. Good job, Logan Gilbert. All right, Trev. It's that time. A little bit. It's that time of the show. We had five guys we put on Slump Watch hoping that they all bust off of it. And, Jake, we may have done it. Maybe good. On our end, you got to put the backwards hat the other way. Twist it the other angle. Yeah. That's lined up. <laughs> yeah. All right, BBD, who are the five potential additions? We got some potential ads this week. Carlos Correa goes 0 for 11, 4Ks right before his series against the Yankees. Gary Sanchez goes 0 for 11, 3 walks, 5Ks right before his series with the Astros. J.P. Crawford goes 0 for 11 with a walk and 2Ks against the Yankees. Mike Zanino has an 0 for 6 with a walk. I'm guessing that's only two games played. And Starling Marte, 1 for 14, walk. Two hit by pitches is tough. Five strikeouts. Damn, man. All right. Well... Some good addition candidates there. Jake, do you want to run through how many people got off? Jim, I can try, and uh, you're right. I mean, I might be the lazy man, and I know sometimes remote shows take longer, so maybe it's the easy move. We could have a sweep here. Mitch Hanniger, 3 for 11, home run, hit by pitch. Whoops. Matt Olson, date my daughter, uh, 3 for 10, homer, double, four ribeye steaks. Key Brian Hayes, dude, this is the one that's badass. Six for 13. The rookie, he's been so good hitting, but that wasn't even supposed to be his thing. He goes in a little slump, and just like that, he rakes his way out of it. Love that. Uh, the GOAT, Randy Rosarena, the best ever. Two for seven, okay, double. Two walks, 444 on base. Take that to the bank. And then Laser Show, Loriano, five for 13 himself. Jim, you're a naturally lazy guy. Natural born fat ass used to be a nickname for me, but uh, could we clear the shelf here? Yeah. It might be the first time in talking baseball history. You know, Randy might be the only guy that's not getting claps. Everyone else I'm kind of clapping for, too. Like, if there was a for sure someone who stayed on Slump Watch, like an 0 for 11. I think we would say Randy's off. Like yeah. two for seven, couple yeah. walks. That's a, he had a nice series. He got on base four times. Like Randy, I think in a normal week, we we say maybe we'd like to keep an eye on it. But the two of the two hits, at least one was extra bases. So we're good. We're set. The five that BBD said are going to slump watch: Correa, Sanchez, Crawford, Zanino, Marte. Correa and Sanchez facing off this weekend. J.P. Crawford, we mention him every episode. Big Z, the all-star catcher and all-John Boy media catcher. And then Starling Marte watch, which is becoming a regular thing almost. Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. Trev, you can come back. Trevor. That means I'm on fire, baby. Like Waco. All right. Trav. Trav. Trevor. Trevor Plouffe, are you here? Miss, miss you. Okay, Trev's gone. We've moved on. What are you, fall into Brian Hayes or something? What? Whoa. We missed you. Oh, I missed you guys. Missed you. You would have loved Slump Watch. 
all five guys that we put on got off. Hell yeah. But five well, look, new Gary guys Sanchez went on. is on it. That's that's my guy. Oh. Yeah. Uh he's on it and it's we're we're watching him, but like his at bats weren't terrible and he got some walks, so he's competing. Yeah. All right, in Fuego. Trev, yeah. you want to run down this list? Not really. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> David Fletcher, 8 for 13 with two home runs. How about that? Joey Gallo doing the home run derby. Oh hits gosh. three home runs the week before. How about that? Mm. Five RBIs, three walks. Cabrian Hayes, not Cabrian Hayes, which is Trevor's new plant. How's the plant doing? That's Thriving right now. All right. Same. So is so is Hayes. Yep. Six for 13 with a homer and three doubles. Trey Turner is so good. He hits three homers, goes seven for 19 this week. Oh, here's a name I don't know. John Nagowski. Who's that? He got traded Pirates. over to from the Pirates to who? Uh, or no, from, from the Reds the to the Cardinals Pirates. to the Pirates. From the Cardinals. I think Cardinals. Cardinals. I know nothing. Yes. Well, great job by him. Uh, I know nothing. John Snogowski. Wow. How mm-hmm. about that? S- seven for 12. Garrett Cooper. Koopa Loop. Six for 13 with two homers. Hell yeah. Fran Mill Reyes. Four for eight. That's 500. Two homers and two doubles. Walk wow. Off. Wow. Walk off. Luis Urias. Five for 11. The height that I will eventually grow to with two homers. Juan Soto doing the derby. So he hits two home runs in preparation for it. Will Myers, he goes six for 14 with a homer and three doubles. And Nolan Arenado, six for 13, a homer and a double. That's your Enfuego list. A lot of guys swinging the bat well. Fletcher, 21-game hit streak. Is that alive, right? That's what Nate was just saying. Yeah. Gallo, you can kind of save it. Gallo's 10 homers in his season. last 10 games, too. So more than cheese series. That's wow. wild. All right, let's move it on to awards. And Trevor, you get to give out the first award. My award is called the Fill the Tank Award. Now, in baseball, there it's kind of a um, a double-edged sword, if you will. You play every single day, so if you are in a rut, uh, it keeps on coming. It's like the ocean, baby. The tide's coming whether you want it or not. Sometimes that's a good thing. That means you can put yesterday behind you and focus on today. Uh, sometimes it's a bad thing because it will snowball. When you're a role player and you're on the bench on an NL team, when you're going through bad stretches, you you don't have the opportunity to get yourself out of the stretches that much. So you're alone with your thoughts a lot, thinking about how do I fill my tank up? How do I get off this empty feeling um, and get back to being someone who produces for my team? You talk to anybody that's on the bench and they'll tell you, any guy that started and then is on the bench or anything, they'll always tell you it's probably the hardest thing to do in baseball is be a guy that pinch hits late in games. Well, our guy, Brad Miller, was in the dark, baby. Started out hot his March, or excuse me, his April and his May, pretty good. But then he went into the abyss in June. He had two hits and 34 at bats for an 059 batting average. 
during June. I talked to him a little bit during it. He's a pretty positive guy, but like I said, when you're a pinch hitter, you just you're in that zone a lot. So he was in the abyss. His tank was empty. Goes off last night. Gets the start because there were some crazy platoon splits and hits absolute tanks. Hits three freaking homers to fill up the tank. And what's great with that is, as a hitter, you have a game like that. Now, your tank's full. You can have a few games where maybe you don't square up a ball, but you still have that confidence left over from that three-homer game because it was... It wasn't just some rinky-dink homers. Brad went oppo. Then he pulled two homers. He had no batting gloves on. He's the only guy in the big leagues that goes no BGs that has, like, swag still. Yes, James, you're pointing. Jim LoCastro. Speed swag for days. Does he have swag, though? Speed swag. Speed swag. swag. Different swags. Brad's uniform, not a good look, but... Sometimes it, it just works for him. He has got the tight pants on. He had the tight Under Armour on underneath last night. No BGs. I don't know how he pulls it all together, but he does. I think it's fair to say that Tilo and Brad Miller are the same swag. I don't. I haven't watched any Tim LaCastro, so fine. You can make that assumption. And both go no batting gloves, which I kind of was. I don't. By. But this is a Brad Miller award, so we'll just stop talking about yeah. the Yankees for one second on this show. If we can do I, that. That'd be. I, nice. I still think of him as a, a D back, so. You're good. Okay, well, he's, he's not. He's on your team. Anyways, Brad he's Miller snake. fills the tank up. He's affectionately known as Backyard Brad, obviously, because that legendary day with Cole Tuck, Archer, uh, Flaherty, uh, Brad, and all – oh, yeah, Vanessa Hudgens in my backyard. So Whoop. Backyard Brad does it, fills the tank up. Congratulations, man. I talked to him last night about it. He was pretty excited, so good for him. Great award. Fill the tank up. Jake, do you have an award? Trev, I love that. Uh, I got a little a little foresight I just saw is that every team's free agency plan, when you see teams tweeting about their plan in free agency next year, is going to have Brad Miller in it. The past three years, three different teams, he's got a 844 OPS. He can play like everywhere. 190. 196 games like he's been doing it for a little while now so he's going to be a part of every team's free agency trev uh my award uh i'm going with the firm handshake and eye contact Mm. um you guys know that's not what i have i have these dainty handshakes with these tiny hands and i don't look anyone in the eye Comically small hands. A uh, little coach ball game shout out there. He teaches that to the kids, the youth across America. Uh, but it's not about that. Uh, we, we've talked a little bit. We're starting to get into trade season. The draft is happening um, over, you know, over the all-star break. They tied it in with the all-star break. We've heard some GMs say, you know, once those, once the players from last year's draft eligible, blah, 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 all of that. Teams, you know, Cubs are saying they're out of it. There is going to be a pitching coach, Trev, that's going to have to approach the GM, kind of get out of their their safe place a little bit. I know. And they're going to have to have a firm handshake and some good eye contact and say, I listen to talk in baseball. Trevor Plouffe has a guy that he loves. He calls him a one. Jose Barrios. Mm. Trev, he had a mm. huge start 
uh, seven innings pitch, 10 Ks. He, he could have been up, um, you know, for a standout performance. He was on the sheet. And, man, this guy, I don't think he's missed a start in the last four years. Um, three, seven, five ERA, uh, or f- five years, five years, excuse me. Um, and Trev, he's 27 years old. Like we've, we've gotten very familiar with him cause he's been doing it kind of at an all-star level the past five years. He just turned 27. I think he's got two more years on the contract free agent 2023. If I'm a pitching coach, I'm telling the manager, I'm going all the way up to the GM's office, giving him a firm handshake, and I'm telling him, I might be able to even get a little more out of this guy. Because if you do, he kind of is a one, or close to it, if you can get a little more. He's 27, he drops it, he's gross, the way you speak about him, Trev. So I'm giving it to Jose Barrios. I love that. This is the thing about Barrios is he works so hard. Like you just, you feel good about having him in your rotation. Even if he has a poor start, you're like, dude, I know he's going to just like study and study and work. And it's not, it's not something that's going to affect him. Like he's so mentally strong as well. I love him. You guys know, I always talk, talk about him very highly. So I like the idea of him going Sarah and getting, unlocked because we see that that happens you know maybe they change his pitch mix a little bit say you got to do this like you know the twins haven't been very good at developing pitchers we all know that so what's to say they haven't been holding jose back a little bit no offense to the coaching staff there now but like sometimes you go and someone says one word to you and it makes everything click and that's just that's just baseball. You know, it happens on the pitching or the hitting side as well. Someone can say basically the same thing to you, but they use a different keyword, and you're like, oh shit, that makes sense. Barrios could 100 percent be a guy that goes to a different organization. They say, you know what? We want you to throw this pitch more here. We want you to do this this way. And then boom, we're looking at a guy that's sitting in the twos for the foreseeable future. Because let me tell you, this like you said, he doesn't miss starts. That's because he works his ass off. Like he's healthy because he works his ass ass off. Go look at his Instagram, and it's just all these awesome beach workouts with Javi Baez. Like during the off season, it's so fun, man. Yeah, the most impressive like thing about this outing by Barrios is that he faced the White Sox back to back starts. I always find that interesting. I, uh, in the first start against them, he gave up ten hits and he struck out zero batters, and then five days later. He's pitching against the White Sox again. He allows one hit, and he strikes out 10 batters. And the lineups weren't that different. So he made the adjustments that he needed to make, seeing the same exact guys again. He saw Mancata again. Um, he saw Goodwin again. He saw Garcia, Vaughn. Zach Collins is the one that got him. So saw Eaton. This is DFA Eaton, right? They did? Yeah, the White Sox DFA'd Eaton, yeah. Which is hilarious because they, like, went out and got him. Yeah. And then, I mean, good for them for being in a championship window and parting ways with something that they don't think is working out. And I think La Russa said there's just no opportunities for him to play. But they got a lot of injuries, and he still couldn't really find time. Uh, so. I mean, he wasn't right, doing it. Good was, Jake. 
Yeah, good award. I am giving uh, out the Jim Craig Award. Obviously. Yep. I'm talking Yanks. Last night I gave out a 1980 U.S. Hockey Team uh, Award. So it's just fitting that I do another one today. I'm talking baseball. Jim Craig, the goalie for the U.S. Olympic team, standing on his head in that third period against the Soviets. Uh, went on to have a, a nice NHL career. And uh, Jim Craig was a weirdo, obviously, because he was a goalie. And what he did, uh, how he approached every game, there's a book about that team that I read, and how Jim Craig approached every game was uh, each period was its own game. So he would get dressed, do his full routine in the locker room, put his pads on, go out and play game number one. Then they'd come back to the locker room, and uh, the Zamboni would clean the ice, and then he'd take off all of his pads, and he'd lay them all out in front of him, and he'd sit there, and then he'd say, that was a great first game, or that was a shitty first game. And then mentally, he'd put all of his pads back on, re-tape them, re-strap them, re-everything, re-put the jersey on, and go out for game number two. That's how he approached periods in hockey, and that's what Sonny Gray did. Sonny Gray told the reporters after a rough inning, he literally went to the clubhouse, took off all of his clothes, and was just in his cleats. And he was—he said he was naked. He said he was an angry little elf. And he got redressed up. And it was a new game when he went out there, and he finished strong. So, Sonny Gray gets the Jim Craig Award. That's probably something a lot of athletes tinker with, because it's just like, man, let's forget about that. Completely change up, and it helps change the mindset. So, good story by Sonny Gray. He's got such a thick accent. He's funny, man. Yeah. You guys would love him. And, and C. Rose pointed out he looked like he was 12 years old in that interview. He always does. Yeah. Like a baby-faced assassin, man. The, sto- the story doesn't surprise me about him going and doing that. And then people have to realize, I think it was in Kansas City, right? Mm-hmm. That's a long run back to the clubhouse in Kansas City. Like the dugout's pretty far from the from the clubhouse. Like, you got to go down the stairs, and then there's, like, a batting cage, weight room area. You got to go up these other stairs and down a long hallway back up into the to the clubhouse. So, you have to do it pretty quick. Change your uniform. If you're talking about everything except your cleats, that, that's a good, like, five to ten minute ordeal, man. Because getting wet stuff off you, as everyone knows that's ever worked out, very tough. Wet socks, maybe my worst thing. Like, my least favorite thing to do is to take my wet socks off. Better than keeping them on, though. Yeah, they're great when it when they're off finally, but getting them is getting them off your feet is impossible. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, Mig- Fayao in the chat says that Miggy Rojas says that happens more than you think on the Chris Rose rotation. You probably said that. Also, chat corrected me. Fletcher didn't have two home runs. He had two doubles. Our sheet was wrong. My bad. Just Ron Burgundy reading the sheet. Yes, we are. You know he's uh, he's right, Miggy is right about that. Maybe not the whole uniform, but like changing stuff up. And pitchers change their undershirts a lot. Like I know a lot of guys that would have six, seven undershirts ready to go and in between innings go change them. Pitchers are weird, man. Pitchers are weird. You don't see position players doing that shit. I wore the same pajama pants uh, underneath my hockey equipment from age eight till... I mean, if I played men's league, if I started playing men's league again right now, I'd wear them. I still have them. From age eight, you know, I, last time I played hockey was in 2018 in the men's league. So, 
people always, whenever I go to a, a locker room and get dressed for hockey, people always are like, what the fuck are those? I'm like, this is what I play. What in. is it? They're like tight pajama pants. Because I like taping my knee pads straight up. I don't like the straps. So you can't tape the back because then they'll tape your leg, which is discomfortable. So you've been wearing the same pants since you were eight years old until now? Yeah, maybe 10 years old when I moved to Illinois. Yeah, when I play hockey. The crotch is completely ripped to the knees, so there's like ultimate flexibility. There's really tight. So I don't like loose stuff because then I can feel it. But yeah, I, I can show you them. They're disgusting. I wash them in between every time I use them. So, but yeah, they're. I'm I'm just really confused how you fit in them. Well, they were really baggy when I was like ten. They were like baggy. Now they're tight. You had the foresight. You're like, hey, I'm gonna get these pants a little bit baggy now because when I'm thirty years old, I'm still gonna be wearing. I, I hate new things. So like, my parents would try to buy me new equipment. And I'd be like, ugh, I got to break it in. So my gloves, when I, play, like I, when I was playing hockey at age 28, my gloves were the same from age 15. My skates are the same from junior of high school. I hate uh, my, you know, a lot of people like new things. I don't. Okay. It's too much. He likes what he likes. Yeah. Is that what you hated me when I first came on the show? No, no. I, not people, but like equipment. I never liked new equipment, ever. Stuff. Yeah. Stuff. I get that. Well, like I, I wasn't like a new shoe guy. Oh, that's what I was going to say. If I got a pair of new shoes, first thing I did was run through wet grass. I didn't want anyone thinking I was get, trying to be stylish at school and being like, oh, check out the fresh kicks on Jimmy. Like, no, dude, I have no style. Don't. My mom bought me new shoes because she said my other ones are don't like, you know, think I'm trying to be stylish here. So I just run through grass and scuff them up immediately. Also, I hate walking around being nervous Oh, my fresh shoes got stepped on by my buddy's brother, you know, first time I met him at a bar. Like, I had friends that cared about that. I'm like, dude, I can't care about my sneakers getting scuffed up. So I'd scuff them up immediately. A couple things. Are you referencing when Lucas stepped on my shoe right away, the freaking power move that Mm. you did? Yes, I I am. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then secondly, Secondly, Jim, I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Kids are brutal, man. Like, you get a haircut and then you go to school, everyone's like, oh, you got a haircut? It's like, obviously, I got a fucking haircut, dude. Yeah. Like, you're going to ask me if I got a haircut? Look at my hair. It happens. I don't like that. Who is our best friend of the week, BBD? It's a guy. Oh. Sorry, I didn't switch the headphones, so I hear myself twice, and I hate that. Uh, it's got very close to my heart. Reese Hoskins, 5 for 14, two homers, two doubles, seven RBIs, the fourth best friend award he's gotten this season, ties Austin Meadows for the lead. Uh, and also a little shout-out to Cole Tucker, uh, single on the first pitch he saw, getting called back up. So, Hell yeah. Hey, Shelton, play Cole Tucker. Yeah. Put him in the lineup. Why not? Why not? Did you see the jersey that BBD got, Trev, that someone sent him? Is that the Phillies, the infield? Yeah. Like that. Like it'll, that. Be a, it'll be a frequent flyer at Denver. You need to put, like, in parentheses, like, this also includes the catcher position. <laughs> Plus well, that's catch. why it's got the number five on the back, not four. Okay, five people. Yep. All right, let's say that we're in an elevator 
And in comes someone. What kind of person is it, Jake? So who we're in the elevator with? Yeah, what kind of person? I'd say you're in the elevator. Maybe you're in a friendly hotel in Buffalo, New York, and you see a guy, uh, maybe khakis, polo shirt, untucked. Wow, business conference. uh, And a little bit of a beer belly. Business conference. Okay. And that person that Jake just described happens to be wearing a Detroit Tigers hat. You can talk about our guy, Zach Short, newest shortstop of the Detroit Tigers. Made some really good defensive plays. Yeah, he also took a ball for ball four that kind of nicked the strike zone, which ended up getting pitching coach Giolitos and Freed's and Flaherty's high school pitching coach ejected for the first time. Cats got ejected. All he said was, that ball's up. It's a breakdown I want to make because he didn't, say a swear word. He's like a real soft-spoken. He didn't say a swear word. Didn't say anything. But we're going to blame Zach Short for that one for taking that pitch. An honest oh, guy yeah. probably you know tells the ump, I think that's a strike too, and stays put. So you can they've talk about that. They've been playing well lately, right? They've been they've been doing all right. The pitching has turned it on. Uh, Badu is still freaking doing it. 820 OPS, 129 OPS plus. That's a nice find. Uh, who else is doing it? You guys know Scope. who's... who's- Who's leading the Tigers in war? I do. I do not. Casey Mize, War Eagle, huge pitching prospect, and it's coming together. Same with Scooble, man. Scooble was on Pitch Ninja the other day. Uh, Pretty stuff looking at the fastball and how the slider works off of it. These young dudes are figuring it out, and, man, that could really expedite the timeline. And, yeah, they've been – They've been a 500 or better baseball team for like two months now. Yeah, Go eight Tigers games under go. 500. Uh, Jimmy, second in war. Your favorite guy, Matthew Boyd. Good for Gotta him, man. Got to be loving that. Uh, Willie Peralta has been pitching, got called up in June, and he's pitching really well. So you can talk about that too. Miguel Cabrera used to be really good. Check sucks. You guys want to see my kingdom? Beautiful. Fourth floor view. Beautiful downtown Buffalo. Jump. Let's get some clicks. Oh, Jake. Oh, man. 